Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I want to engage you into a very unique language of the spirit, touching a very powerful revelation that I have for some time been seeking words to articulate to the people that I feel need to know these things. In Ephesians, a very common scripture, I have always told people that I watch out so much of the things that are regular and consistently emphasized in scripture. Because if God emphasizes some or causes it to appear once, twice, thrice in scripture, there's something he's speaking to us and I believe that requires a deep attention of the same emphasis that he gives to that thing. And one of my most favorite scriptures, actually, I have, you know, always mentioned it on and offset because of the way it rubs my spirit, the way it lightens me, the way I see and understand it, because some things are beyond words that somebody can ever share, all right? And I remember once telling us that when you read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15, okay, where Paul says that, wherefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The Amplified says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I do not cease. It's a constant life of prayer. Okay? I do not cease. So it's a constant prayer for the church in Ephesus. And he says, verse 17, the Amplified says, for I always pray, always pray, always pray. And that's why my emphasis begins from to say there are things that the Apostle Paul in Scripture insists that he constantly prays for the church. And I want believers, it doesn't matter how much familiar you are getting to the word and the ways of God, you should not take for granted or lightly the things that are always emphasized by the Spirit. There are things that are emphasized, but not always. But there are things that are always emphasized. Okay, And this prayer in Ephesians, there is a, a constant emphasis. Tonight I want to touch a particular area. Okay? It says, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And today I want to emphasize the verse 17, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. And that's why I want to emphasize. Okay, today I just want to touch the verse 17 mostly. Because later, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation is given, we know what is the hope of our calling what are the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints? What is exceeding greatness of power that is at work within us who believe? 
the same that he wrote when he raised Christ from the dead. We cannot know how much power we have. We cannot know the exceeding greatness of that glory upon our lives. We cannot know the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints. We can't know all of that, okay, without knowledge. And we cannot have that knowledge of him without the granting of wisdom and revelation. Some versions use wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him. Today I want to talk about the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We want to see how wisdom and knowledge, you know, the chasm between, the dichotomy, the difference, the distinctions between wisdom and revelation and how these marry each other or reconcile in the giving of knowledge to the believer and because of that, the enlightenment of the Spirit comes. The eye of your understanding is enlightened. It's flooded with light, okay? When it's flooded with light, you know God, right? So when we say every believer must know God, what do we mean when we say you must know God? Oh, the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and they shall do mighty exploits. How do we know God? Do we simply know God or, you know, read your Bible? Do all the people that read the Bible actually understand God. Does everyone who searches the scriptures or reads books understand God? No. In fact, we have had people who have not only read Bibles, but they've gone into, you know, seminaries and Bible schools, and they come out, you know, different. They even don't believe some of the basic things. I know of a man who went to one theology school, and he could not believe in divine healing after he went to that school. When he went to be taught in his pursuit of knowing God, he came back without believing in divine healing. Okay, so sometimes it's not just enough to say, oh, I'm a reader of the word, which is good, of course, but it's more than just reading or being a scholar or doing theology class and all are good. But there's something above that. There's something beyond that. And that's the thing that I want to express. Okay, when we are talking about wisdom and revelation, what do we mean in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of God? He's saying when you talk about knowing God, He's emphasizing that you must know God in a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, so I want to show you that wisdom versus revelation experience so you will fully understand what it means to know God. Because when you know him, you will do mighty things. You'll be a greater one on the earth. Things will align themselves to the realities of the truth that is revealed to your spirit. Now, as I emphasize that, we need to understand that when it comes to the articulation of the spirit, there's an order, there's a divine order of things, all right? And because there's a divine order, I believe that revelation precedes and stirs wisdom. Revelation precedes and stirs wisdom, all right? There's a way it comes before to stir us into wisdom, okay, to star us into wisdom. But I need to show you the way of God. I need to show you how God um, has aligned the order of things, how he works in revealing himself to us, in giving wisdom to us, in aligning us into knowledge. I want to show you something special. I know some of you probably asked yourself this question, or some of you maybe have studied it for some time. When you read Proverbs, why Proverbs? Why does God speak to us through Proverbs? All right? So a man of wisdom, given the wisdom of God, starts to share 
Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1, he says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to the end are to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. Okay, the end is knowledge and discretion. But we have the wisdom up there, the understanding up there, which is revelation. And he says, but wisdom and revelation to the end of that knowledge came through Proverbs, right? Came through Proverbs. It's one of the ways God reveals himself in knowledge to us. God sometimes reveals himself to us in knowledge through Proverbs. And in the New Testament, again, we see that translate to spaces of parables. In Mark chapter 4, verses 33, he says, And with many such parables, Jesus spake the word unto them as they were able to bear it. He spoke the word unto them as they were able to bear it or hear it. But without a parable, spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all the things to his disciples. We start to see God speak in Proverbs and parables. Old Testament dispensation, we see him speaking in parables through the person of Jesus Christ. But here's the catch. The Bible says he speaks to them as they're able to hear it. He speaks to them as they're able to hear it. That means through one sentence, Jesus Christ would or can say something and a hundred people hearing it and all of them are receiving from that one sentence according to how they are able to hear it. How are you able to hear it? Okay? And I want to take you to the beginning of Revelation. Because the beginning of Revelation is that distinction between how you hear in the things that are spoken. Now, it would not be fair for men who are not born again, who have not received the Spirit of God in them, neither carry the understanding of the teaching of the Spirit, to receive the teachings of God through parables. But Jesus used to speak in parables. When he was alone with his disciples, the Bible says he used to expound all the things to them. Because I believe he did not want especially the disciple to miss it. Those that are just coming for bread could miss it, but the disciples should not miss it. Because these are the pillars that are going to extend the gospel when he's long gone. So you'll ask yourself the question that I used to ask myself for many years, why would Jesus Christ find carnal men and choose to complicate things by speaking in parables? You see? But even deeper here, he's saying, but even as they're able to hear it in their levels of abilities, I believe individually on how a man is able to hear it. Thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands are watching or listening to me right now. But not everybody understands or is hearing things the way I am speaking them. Everyone receives from where they see or from the ability of their perception in the spirit. There are places of maturity and exposure and experiences in God. But notwithstanding that, my prayer at the end is that I will be able to communicate to everybody wherever they are. All right? Now, the grace and glory of God's elevation is when he can take you to a place where you can see both the word in its clarity as God gives it 
and the way it must be seen or heard. The full interpretation of the mystery of the revelation of that particular hour. We are qualified or approved as ministers of the gospel to that degree qualification by Christ. If by judgment we are able to discern what is said by God in the way he has said it and receive it the way it's supposed to be received to the fullness. Because not everybody receives the word the way God has given it. But it's the way of God to conceal a matter. So in pursuit of that concealment, we see God bringing conversation, teaching people through parables. And he's saying, okay, whoever has that ability, let them pick from wherever they're supposed to pick. Oh, that might not be fair. But that's just the way of God. You don't question why, you know, he does the way he does it. The clay cannot question the porter. You understand? You just need to know how God works and you align himself in the way he works. Because in his infinite wisdom, there are indelible reasons why he chooses to reveal himself in that time through parables, okay? The plainness of speech sometimes is not in the words that are spoken. It is in the ability of the man's spirit to fully interpret the things of the spirit as they are clearly heard. That means even though we are ministers and all of us are being ministered to by the spirit, he is gentle enough to get to our levels of understanding, to minister to us according to our levels of understanding. And the wisdom to understand that you know, is of great, great importance. I can never emphasize that enough. It's of great, great importance. Now, let me say this. When we touch revelation, okay, like I said, the revelation precedes wisdom. Not all revelation, however, imparts wisdom, okay? Even though revelation stars us or precedes or comes before wisdom, not all revelation imparts wisdom. Okay? Not all. But I believe there are differences with us individually as we continue to deal with God according to the purposes and convictions that he gives us personally. Those are the things to the end of this communication that could impart or would impart wisdom to us. But every time we're touching revelation, don't assume that every revelation that comes to you imparts wisdom to you. Some revelations are not even for us. Some revelations are for other people, other dispensations, other realms. There are probably even things that some people are speaking now but might never even make sense to them now than the times to come or to the people to come. The Bible says that the prophets of old were prophesying, they were searching out, you know, what manner the Spirit of God, you know, was signifying of the death and sufferings of Christ. Because they picked the lines of the coming of Christ. They picked, you know, the Son of God coming in the flesh. And they searched out diligently to know how are the sufferings of Christ coming through and the glory that should follow. How are these things going to come? This is revelation on them. Okay? This is revelation coming to them. But the Bible says, but it was revealed to them that not unto them, but unto us they did minister these things, which things are now being preached by us in the gospel and things that angels do inquire into. So we have seen experiences where people are receiving revelation, but that revelation is not even for them. It might not impart wisdom for them in that hour, but it's coming out of their spirits because they are a conduit you know, of God's ministration to the world, all right? 
in Daniel chapter 2, verses 30, when we talk about the interpretation, you know, of a dream and when God speaks to Daniel about the experiences of a king, we see Daniel saying, but as for me, he says, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. Okay, This revelation is not given to me because I have exceeded or have received a certain degree of wisdom besides the basic wisdom that the living have says the basic wisdom that the living have. So we see a situation where a prophet received a vision, a revelation, a secret, a mystery of God, touching the destiny of a king, and God tells him that much as this revelation is come, it doesn't have any bearing with the space of your wisdom, or that the wisdom working on you has not improved or even been imparted for any second because you've received this revelation. Or that there is no difference between the wisdom that is at work within you, the prophet Daniel, and any man living on the earth. However, the Bible says God brought these things that he might reveal the heart and thoughts of the king. This was for the benefit and purpose of the king, not for Daniel. Okay? So sometimes... Someone can move and function under the glory and anointing of the spirit of revelation. And I've seen it more so when that, you know, spirit comes early on you, that you can speak and articulate things and be convinced at one point that because you are articulating them, therefore you have the full experience of the same things imparting wisdom into you as a minister. But for those things to impart or to change, to work for you or through you is a different thing. That is why we have people who can teach about money, but they don't have it. Or we have people who can teach about something, but they don't have the grace of that very thing. The revelation is working through them, right? It's working through them, but they don't carry the equal wisdom of the revelation that they claim to have, right? So not all revelation is impartational to wisdom, but revelation precedes wisdom. And I want you to note that. However, I also want us to go deep into understanding. When we say revelation and wisdom, what part do these two have in our knowledge of Christ? And this is it. Revelation is for access. Albeit, when we talk about access, it's not necessarily for the individual that is speaking or has accessed that revelation for access, but it's for some sort of access either to the individual or the person that is being ministered to. Okay? And I want you to understand that. But when it comes to wisdom, wisdom is to or for maturity. Okay? Wisdom is to or for maturity. We have many believers who have not separated revelation from maturity. Much as it's important for the mature to walk in revelation, but the justification of a mature spirit in Christ is the manifestation of wisdom. There are people who cannot articulate certain revelations but carry a certain maturity that is after wisdom. And it's important for the believer to have both because if we are emphasizing the knowledge of God or Christ, these are the things that must be given the attention. Let me read for you something. In Luke chapter 10, the 17th verse, we're given a very amazing story. The Bible speaks of how the 70 return again with joy. 70 fellows, disciples, you know, are sent out, they're serving. And the Bible says, and the 70 return again with joy, saying, Lord, 
Even the devils are subject to us through your name. Devils are responding. They were excited. We cast out devils. We rebuke devils. We found a guy with a palsied spirit. We cast it out. It cleansed. It's beautiful. We celebrate miracles in the church, and that is good. And I'm not saying that we should not celebrate miracles or the working of God's power. No, we do celebrate the miracles. In fact, the Bible speaks of how, you know, people are healed and men give glory to God. Men praised God for the miracles. So miracles are an essential part in the church, in the preaching of the gospel, because they are the vindicator. They are the confirmer of our affirmations, touching our proclamations and our faith in God. However, Okay? Now we're transiting before that. So yes, they have the revelation now. It's come to them that they can rebuke devils, they can cast out devils, and so they go casting out, you know, devils are screaming out of people, maybe uh, sicknesses, diseases are leaving. In fact, things are happening, and these all claim to the justification of the kingdom for which they've been sent to proclaim. And the Bible says, look at where Jesus speaks from. He said, and he said to them, I beheld certain as lightning falling from heaven. You are excited that devils are leaving, which is a good thing. But I, Jesus says, beheld Satan, the leader, you know, the head, the arche, the top of line, <laughs> the one to whom all these devils you've been rebuking come from. I saw him falling as lightning. I saw him falling as lightning. I believe that God is trying to provoke them to go deeper, into deeper things, into the things that really should give them more joy than the joy they have for the passing moment of casting out devils. He's not downplaying the demonstration of power and the rebuking of devils. No, he's trying to mature the disciples into certain realities. And he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And he says, and behold, I want you to see that I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That was not the moment he gave it. That was the moment he brings to their conscience that you must see that I give you that power. It's yours for the dealing to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. But of course it is, because they have already been rebuking devils. But perhaps they were not really awakened to the reality of how far this goes and is emphasizing and is telling them why. Because I beheld Satan falling, okay, as lightning from heaven. But let's go now down to the real McCoy. Now, the Bible says, notwithstanding, verses 20, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, in that very hour, when Jesus had said it, the Bible says, he rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, O Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it is seemed good in thy sight. Now, let me explain what this means. When the disciples start to demonstrate power, rebuke devils. They're excited, and they're not wrong to be excited because they've seen people healed and delivered. This is something new. They've never seen it before. 
And Jesus is trying to get them from that to their maturation. He's trying to grow them, okay? There's a space of revelation, the revelation that is casting out devils, okay? But do they carry the maturity to know that it's actually more joyful? In fact, it should be rejoiced that their names are written in heaven. Do they know what it means for their names to be written in heaven? Do they understand that to God, it's more important that their names are written in heaven than that particular demonstration of power. He's not downplaying, again I repeat, the demonstration of power. But he's giving them the wisdom to know the difference between the things that are more expedient than others, the things that are more important in the spirit than others, the things that by exercised wisdom awaken you to the reality of the things you actually ought to be rejoicing for, the things that actually ought to catch your attention. That is just one example. But have you asked yourself how many other examples of things maybe we pursue, yet we're not supposed to pursue for other things? The things that we probably pray for, and God would come and tell you, however, like he tells them not to rejoice because the devils are subject to them, but he would probably come and tell us, you know, do not continue praying this way because these results are coming in your life. However, pray this way because God has called you to this and that and that. The wisdom to know the difference, the grace of God that comes to you to start separating. Because when you obey, before you're born again, okay, as you transition from darkness to light, you separate darkness from light, precious from vile. There is that first divide that helps you know this is good and bad, okay? This is godly and this is ungodly. This is evil and this is naughty, you know? But when you transition into light, all right, God has to give you the wisdom to know, to deeply dig into understanding what is more important than other things, what is more expedient and other things. Yes, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Okay, all things are lawful for me, but I shall not subject myself to all because not all things edify. Okay, yes, sometimes we indulge and invest our time in the things that are indeed lawful by the Spirit. They are subject to the laws of the Spirit and favor, you know, our creations and honor our faith. But some of those things are not expedient. They're not more important than others. They are not more edifying than others. To know the difference is to know the expedient things, to give yourself to the expedient things. It's to know how to give yourself to the things that really edify, to the things that really build you as a believer. Because I told people once that you can get so lost in the wonder of the word and lose the heart and purpose of God. Because the word is so vast that it creates realities that for, you know, the fascinated one who is simply fascinated by the things but is not exercised to the keeping and reserving of those things, you know, later you start to see that person starting to go off the purpose and disconnect from the heart of God in spite of the fact that some of these things in the Word will continue to remain entertaining us, they'll continue to remain availing us to glory and virtue and manifestation and goodness. The scriptures speak of the words that were spoken on Jesus Christ when he was a child. The Bible says, and Mary kept these things in her heart. The word there for things is rema. She kept the rema of the words that were being spoken. No wonder 
This is the woman that provokes God to do his first miracle, even when it was not yet time for him to do miracles. Because there's something she stored in her spirit on the words that were being spoken on that boy while the rest wondered. They were amazed, okay? They were amazed, you know? The words were beautiful to hear about this boy. But beyond that, somebody needed to get into this and connect what was expedient to what was really edifying. And she had to keep these things to ponder on them, okay? And that is how Mary can provoke. Mary did not have the first miracle because she was simply Jesus' mother, like some <laughs> insist, okay? And for Jesus to dispel that mentality, you remember the story how one time his brothers come looking for him. Oh, Jesus, your family is here. Your brothers, they are here. They've come to see you. And people think, oh, you know, he has to get up quickly, run to them. No, 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 no. He says, who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who are my mothers? Except them that do the will of the Father. So Mary did not provoke the first miracle because she was Jesus' mother, but because she aligned herself to a deeper revelation, to a deeper experience, okay? Now, back to what I was trying to emphasize here. So we see that men are rejoicing for devils living. And that's okay. And he's telling them, no, there's a higher calling for which you should rejoice. And that is that your names are written in heaven, okay? The revelation of casting out devils was beautiful, all right? But the wisdom to know what to really rejoice over was for their maturation. It was for their maturity, okay? And that is how revelation and wisdom work in our lives. Revelation is for you to access the things you must access. Wisdom is for you to mature in the things of God, to mature while you access these things. Some time ago, probably an hour or two or so, God started to speak to my heart about how we must now emphasize this to the church more than ever before in growing and bringing maturity in the church because we are in a dispensation where revelation is so available. It's scarce to some people, but it's so available now. Okay? Some people now hear in a year what people long ago in the same line of faith probably took a lifetime to hear or would have lived a whole lifetime and not heard it and still served God fully. But it's almost as though, even though these revelations continue to fill our hearts and our spirits, we do not see the manifestation of the equal maturity of people who have walked with God. And that is why I tell people, do not downplay the power of spiritual experiences. The people who are so quick in judging what they see physically as God deals with people without understanding the spiritual implication of the things that God deals with certain people. There is no way you can ever by your own flesh have enough time to understand everything that is written in the word of God. The redemption of the time for you to connect to the things that you must know or to even the fullness into the overflow comes when God grants you particular experiences that flood certain revelations in your spirit for understanding because you have access to these things. But as those things come, in those experiences also comes the wisdom of God. 
he intends to give both revelation and wisdom together. He wants you to access as you equally grow and he wants you to equally grow as you equally access. That's the perfect balance of a man or a woman who claims to know God. That's the perfect balance. There's a reconciliation between the revelation that is coming out of you and the things that you do in maturity. And some of those things are not necessarily so far away from the way people understand life. It's some of those little things. It's some of those small, small things, right? For example, do you know the power or the maturity of God it takes, for example, to hold your peace, to keep quiet when somebody's provoking you, to refuse to speak against an individual even when they're speaking against you, and not because you cannot speak against them or probably you even have more information against them than they have against you, but to choose not to speak against that individual. Not because you're weak in your mind, no, or that because you're gullible, and so lax that you don't care whatever I said. But because by revelation, God has worked in you to the place of wisdom enough to do what is mature in the state when you could have gotten to the level of that individual. Just a simple example. But this applies in many aspects of the spirit. In many, many aspects of the spirit. These are the things that define the maturity of the believer. It doesn't matter how much revelation you will have, but that revelation has to translate to the spaces of your maturity that are clearly dispelled through the wisdom of God that is working through you. What do you do when somebody insults you? What do you do when you're under the pressure to perform a certain way to the people that are watching you? What do you do when you lose something? What do you do when things or circumstances do not work to your favor? Do you manipulate your way? Or do you wait on God to work his way through you? Do you know how to wait on God? Do you know how to stand in the midst of testations? Not just in the revelations that you can access. No, now we're talking about the maturities that come with the wisdom of God on your life. When you read the scriptures, there are Spaces Jesus spoke, and there are places Jesus never spoke. There are things Jesus could give to the disciples at that moment. There are things he could not give, not because he didn't have it all. No, Jesus was the word. Hello. But sometimes he could get to their level and say, hmm, there are things I want to say to you, but I know that you're not able to bear them now. You cannot bear them. But... I have to wait for a sudden transcendence, a sudden experience to happen, which is then my death and resurrection. And when the Spirit of God is come, I believe after the translation of my death and resurrection, greater grace will be available for them to understand and the wisdom to know that that was not for them to speak and for him to speak at that particular hour. And then he holds his peace. He's not able to share the things that he wants to share with his disciples. That is the love that he defies. Because if he was an unstable man, then he would have, you know, inclined himself to the knowledge that puffs. It's the minister sometimes 
who will emphasize something, not because he doesn't have much to say, but because he sees that certain things are worth noting and emphasizing for the start of period of that one, two, three, four, five people who must get it at that particular point, that we don't lose any in the process of preaching the gospel, which to some is so simple, and are itching for more, which is a good experience and place to be. But to some, they're even simply trying to understand the first principles of the oracles of God. That wisdom is what makes us ministers. But there's a minister who repeats himself, for example, because he has nothing to say. And the two might look alike <laughs> to the eyes of people who cannot tell the difference. You understand what I'm saying? But when you can tell the difference, it's when you see both beyond the maturity of the minister, but the love of God that is patient with the individual to see them through into that maturation as well, to become all things to all men that we might serve. Some, he says to the mature, we speak maturely. To them that are weak and are babes, we speak to them as weak as are babes. To them under the law as them that are under the law. And to them that are beyond and under grace as them that are of grace. Because at one particular point, we're not trying to be political. We're trying to reconcile all men to hear it according to how they are able to hear it. And perhaps pray to God that as revelation and wisdom comes, you know, the eyes of the understanding will be flooded with light that they will know. That is the responsibility of the minister. But that is not only for the minister. It will go into your parenthood. Revelation, the things you can access. Wisdom, the things in which you mature. It will go into your marriage. will touch your business. will touch your career. It will touch your dreams. It will touch your aspirations. It will touch your health. It will touch your thought processes will touch every aspect of your life. And God says, with this revelation of access and wisdom of maturation, this is the only way you can know God. It's the only way your eyes can be illuminated. The eyes of your spirit can see the glorious light of the gospel. And it's through that that you know the hope of your calling, Glorious riches of inheritance of the saints, exceeding greatness of power. So even when the power is available for you, it has a purpose. Even when the calling is revealed to you, it has a purpose. Even when the inheritance is given you, it has a purpose. You don't have money such that you can prove to your you know, village friends how they used to laugh at you and now you're the one laughing. It's a myopic mind. God does not make us wealthy to boast. You're not healthy so you can scoff at the sick one who abused you last week. You're not building a bigger ministry such that you can laugh at the man who attacked you and he thought you were not going anywhere. It's a very myopic understanding of the things of God. Because God is not building you based on the one who hates you or loves you. No, he's building you because he has a cause with you that with or without them that hate you, he must pursue and fulfill. That is the maturity of the Spirit. Because if you don't understand the things that I'm sharing right now, it's the beginning of what people call being unstable. They're people with great revelations, but they're unstable. They're not stable. They don't know how to react. 
when they're angry. They don't know how to react when they're frustrated. They don't know how to react when they're disappointed. They don't know how to react when they feel pain in their body. They don't know how to react when their businesses fail. They don't know how to react uh, when you know they have a setback of some sort. They don't know how to react when they're frustrated a bit or under attack by anything because they're not exercised. And that is why you're hearing the word today. That God will strengthen and uphold this understanding in your spirit. So when Paul says, this I pray always, I cease not, I believe that that apostolic foundation that was given such inspiration for us to read now is opening our eyes to the reality of the things that we must pray for always. We must pray for without ceasing. We say, Father, I thank you because wisdom and revelation in your knowledge is in me. It's increasing on me. It's granted to me. It's accessible to me. It is mine for the taking. It is working in my mind. It is working in my body. It's working in my ministry. It's working in my business. It's working in my family. It's working in my career. It's working in my aspirations. It's working in my plans. And as that comes, you will realize that this is the thing that starts to make ways where there seems to be no ways. This is the antidote that creates doors where there seems to be no doors. This is the antidote that breaks through walls because the son of God, a woman, must go through this. This is how things work to give us the glory and triumph that is so deserved for all who believe in Christ. And that is what I want to pray for you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That like Paul never ceased to pray, I have not ceased to pray for myself, but also for those of you that are listening and watching, those that are submitted to Fanero. It is a prayer that I have prayed for you always, that the Lord God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, will grant unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the graces of maturity in wisdom and the glory of access in his revelation in the knowledge of him. Because when that is given, the eyes of your understanding will be flooded. You will know what is the hope of your calling, what are the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints, the power that is at work within you, and things will start aligning themselves. Because when you know your God, he says, you shall be strong and you shall do mighty exploits. And I decree upon your life that you are in a season of mighty exploits. Nothing is going to stop you. Nothing is going to digress you. Nothing is going to hold you. Nothing will frustrate you. Nothing will slow you. Our God will quicken everything you put your hand, your mind, and application to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for the sick. I rebuke every spirit of infirmity and disease. May you be healed right now of all manner of disease. And I feel God is healing people right now. I pray for broken families and may God restore you. Relationships, may God restore you. Parents whose children are struggling with drugs and all sorts of perversions, may God restore your child. Divisions between parents and their children, I pray for the brokenhearted that may God heal you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, because we're not the same again. Amen.
If you are there and you've never given your life to Christ, I say, you know what? I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be born again. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says there's no name by which men are saved. It's not that. It's only one name. It says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. So I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just repeat these words after me. You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.